be seated. I'd like to welcome all of you that are here. Of course, those that are joining us uh, online. If you would, if you turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Father God, I thank you that this broken vessel that reveals your word, that speaks your word, would be used mightily by you, unhindered and unencumbered by all the things that try to wage itself against you. That your people would receive what you have for them. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our Put that in the message for me, please, if you wouldn't mind. Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is what? The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes that Jesus is. (laughs) I'll read that again. Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. (laughs) Look at somebody and tell them it don't make sense. It makes faith. Look at somebody else and tell them it don't make sense. It makes faith. Oftentimes, people do not realize the simplicity of the things concerning God. Uh, often, they find themselves needing concordances and they need uh, root dictionaries and they think they need all of these things and don't get me wrong I'm a huge proponent of studying I'm a huge proponent of digging into the scriptures I'm a huge proponent of understanding language Greek and Hebrew and things I'm a huge proponent of all of those things I am not a proponent of doing that at the risk of convoluting God's message. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Um, I find it necessary for us as believers to come back to the place of simplicity. Because, for example, let's go to John 20, verse 24. John chapter 20, verse 24. Jesus is now resurrected and he is appearing unto his uh, disciples and he's giving instructions. He's resurrected, he's ascended, and now he's returned back to uh, bring them some level of comfort and uh, understanding. And he reveals himself to the disciples. They are ecstatic. He leaves them. 
Thomas shows up and he says, but Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, first of all, he got problems. Okay, because I don't want to put my finger in none of y'all's wombs. And I darn sure don't want to put my hand in, in, in. Especially not with gloves on. (laughs) But you understand, he is saying, if I don't see it, then I just can't believe. The other disciples, Jesus showed up, and, he, and they never said any of this. I love the idea that Jesus is willing, verse 26. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Now you understand that if Jesus comes into the room, and the door shut, that's good enough for the kid. <laughs> this brother will walk through walls. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give you all the rest on credit. <laughs> Watch what he does. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered, said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Many people in the body of Christ dealing with the faith have a problem with understanding the difference between sensual faith and biblical faith. Sensual faith is based on your senses. When you sat down, you looked to see if there was a chair there, and you sat in the chair. That is a sensual faith. You had, you had faith to believe that the chair would support you. Are you with me? You, you kind of knew in your head this chair is going to do its job. You didn't know that absent of any information. You knew it because you saw it. So then sensual faith is a faith that is based on what my senses tell me as opposed to understanding what uh, Bible faith is. The problem with sensual faith is it is limited to your senses, your abilities to see, to touch, to smell, to taste. You understand what I'm saying? it's, It's limited to input. The problem with that input is that input can be controlled by Satan. He can have you to feel things. He can have you to see things. 
So if you live through a sensual faith, you will constantly be led and directed and guided by what you see, what other people say, what you hear, what it is you feel, what it is you... As opposed to being able to understand that faith is sovereign. See, if God is sovereign, then faith has to be sovereign. Which means that if faith is sovereign, then it don't make sense. It makes faith. Because what doesn't make sense... So then, when you have a belief system, uh, you have to begin to understand that faith does a couple things for you. Number one, faith reveals truth. And faith separates you from a world system. This is why Satan can't stand you. Because you have the ability to overcome any plan that he has for your life. You have been given the victory not because you have the ability to mix it up with him, but because your faith gives you a superior position to him. In other words, your faith is sovereign over him, of which he cannot affect unless he gets you to play in the mental arena with him. So then, <clears throat> when faith separates you, then it the world should not dominate you. See, you can't control what dominates you. If your flesh dominates you, if every time you see someone of the opposite sex and you can't control yourself, your flesh dominates you. And because your flesh dominates you, then Satan knows exactly what to do to trigger you to disrupt yourself. And people say, well, Satan, that old Satan's up to his tricks again. Um, (laughs) Yes and no. Yes, he started the ball in motion. But you tripped yourself up. Because putting yourself in positions... That allow access. <laughs> Look at Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul, wait thou. What? For my is from. Then. If your faith is sovereign, then your faith only relies upon him and not on anything else. Which means it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what you see. It doesn't matter what you feel. My expectation only comes from him and in the word alone. And if we are honest with ourselves, we often look for confirmation and validation. The truth be told, most of us, because of our inability to see who we really are, we look for validation. The problem with validation is you can become validated by the wrong things. For example, you post a a post on Facebook that says you've done something successful 
and all these people respond and you think, wow, people are really in my corner. No, they just happen to notice that your dress is four inches higher than it's supposed to be and they're validating what you think is your successes when all they're doing is they're panting after what you have put out there that you should have never. Why do we get quiet? So you, you then put out certain things and you wonder why people validate that behavior. It's because that behavior keeps you You, you go to the club, <laughs> and you party like it's 1999. <laughs> and every time you do that, you meet a fine young lady in your mind. <laughs> Y'all didn't think I wasn't equal opportunity in this, do you? So then you learn, you learn that this behavior produces a certain result. It's validation. It just ain't appropriate. <laughs> we, we end up in relationships with people who don't handle us well because we're seeking validation in the way that we've always gotten it before. So then he or she says, why do I keep ending up with the same person? And it's because you have learned, even though you don't like it, to be validated by the wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as <laughs> John seventeen fourteen, let me just let that alone and come back to it. <laughs> We might have to fight up in here. (laughs) I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as... So what is he telling them? He's saying, I gave them the word, and the world hates them, because the word I gave them is not for the world, it's for them. And what that word does is it liberates them from the validation of the world. So then, if it liberates me and elevates me, then when I'm dealing with worldly things, do I have the understanding that while I might be in the world, I am not of the world, which means I operate from a different place knowing that my self-identity and my self-esteem is not rooted in the world because the world hates me. And the reason why the world hates us is because they ain't us. And because they ain't us, do you know you ain't them? Because whether you know you ain't them or not, doesn't change the fact that they still hate you. And because of that, he said, you are not of the world. Why are you not of the world? Because I wasn't of the world, and I gave you my word. And as I gave you my word, then the word has to stand 
sovereign over everything that goes on in the world. A lot of people confuse sovereignty with control. Sovereignty is not control. Sovereignty means that I'm over it. That means that I can exercise control as I wish. But that doesn't mean I had to choose to do so. Are you, are you with me? So then, <clears throat> that means that the more I deal with the Word, the more that I know about the Word, the more that I practice the Word, the higher I go above a system that wasn't built for me. And it is not my behavior in as much as it's my knowledge. Because you can't change behavior without changing. You have to know better in order to... But by and large, believers, Christian folks, live in such a low revelation of who they are and what belongs to them that the world easily begins to creep in and say, you are no more special than anybody else. If I made them die, you're going to die. If I made them poor, you're going to be poor. If I made them struggle, you're going to have to struggle. Because after all, this is my lot in life. This is where I was born. This is my education level. I don't have more degrees than a thermometer. I don't have this, that, and the third. I don't have a whole bunch of money. I don't have... And the world causes you to take inventory of what you don't have. And it never says a word about your faith. Because it knows your faith is beyond its reach. So it has to deal with you in the realm of your sensuality, in the realm of your attraction, in the realm of what you feel, in the realm of what you touch, in the realm of what... Because the only way to get you to change your mouth is to change your perspective. So then, when he says Isaiah 55, 1, Isaiah 55, 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy, eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money. And without price. What you going to buy it with? Hmm? <laughs> what you going to buy it with? I said, what you going to buy it with? He says, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. What if I told you that your faith is the currency 
of heaven. What if I told you your faith spends just like money? So you find people running around, I just need more money. I just need more this. I just need more that. $50 worth of faith will not buy $100 worth of stuff. And I'm not talking about the five-finger discount. <laughs> some, some of y'all ain't been sanctified that long, so I had to, <laughs> I had to put that out there for y'all. See, <clears throat> if I am sovereign over it, then I have to think and function from a very different perspective. Because of all the silver and the gold belong to my father. The Bible says that. All the cattle, all the silver, all the gold belongs to him. Then why do I keep approaching him as if everything has a price and not a cost? Everything that has a price doesn't have a cost. And everything that has a cost doesn't have a price. I'm amazed at how many people think that just because they paid X amount of dollars for something means they got the exact same return. See, if you're not careful, you'll keep getting robbed just that way. When I spend, let me say it a different way. When I invest money, I expect more than what I put in. This is why they were mad with the wealthy landowner who said, I gave you X amount of talents. And you mean to tell me you expect more than what you gave me? Called him a hard man. Because he expected a... And one-talent people are very quick to not expect a return at all. And never realize that's why they're one See, five talent people drive themselves to expect a return. They're like, all you got to do is give me little. I don't need you to give me, per se, the chair. I just need you to give me a tree. I don't need you to give me the money. Just give me the idea. There are some, though, that you couldn't give them a job in a pie factory eating pies. And that's what makes them one talent. Don't be quiet. Y'all not, I'm not talking about y'all. Y'all ain't one talent people. Or are you? Because <laughs> it don't make sense. It makes sense. Luke 17, verse 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Lord said, if ye had... Let's go, let's go back, because I just want to do something real quick. Verse 5. The apostles said unto the Lord, what? What's the subject? Okay, go. 
Verse 6. Lord said, if you had as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the, and it, what's the subject there? Okay, come on. But which of you, having a, can I ask you a question? What's the subject there? So then the faith is your servant. He's going into allegory mode. He's trying to help you understand what he's saying to you. He's saying your faith. See, money makes a terrible master. Money is a terrible master. Some people, it's all about the money. How much does it cost? It's not how much it costs. It's what's it worth. Because if it's worth more than what you paid, you came out on top. But if you get stuck on what something, you know, the price, (laughs) it'll choke you every time. And you will operate from a poverty mindset because faith deals with what something is worth, not what it costs. Because when faith is sovereign over it, faith begins to operate from a realm that God sees and says, I need you to do this because this is tied to this. And it doesn't matter what the price is because the reality is that whatever it is, I can pay for it with my faith. And my faith becomes a servant to my life. The faith becomes a servant to what God's asked me to do. It is not supposed to control my life. Money is not supposed to tell me what I can do, what I can't do. Things are not supposed to dictate what I'm able to accomplish. God is the one who says that if he called it to be, it's above your pay grade. It does not require you. It requires you to have faith in him because he is the only one that can make it happen. And so then he says, which of you (laughs) having a servant? In other words, he's liking it to you have a servant. And if you have a servant, then your servant does what you tell it to do. (laughs) Your servant is obligated to do what you tell it. But the problem with your servant is I'm very careful to never change what my wife has told my child. Not in front of her. So if she says something to Ari, you better go do it. <laughs> now, afterwards, if I disagree or vice versa, if I tell her something, she disagrees, she'll say afterwards, I don't think we should have done that. But the reason why I don't do it in front of her is because if she says go and I say don't, Right? Because if I say I'm prosperous and then out the same breath I say I'm so broke. Well, you, you, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. No, I'm prosperous. Oh, wait, I'm prosperous. And the whole time your faith is like like a tennis match. 
waiting to determine who's going to win because you keep sending a mixed signal and your seed. Go back to verse 6. Because you keep plucking it up from the root, but you don't know where to throw it. It's trying to figure, okay, I've been plucked up. Where am I going? Am I going over here? Am I going over here? And the double, that's what the Bible says, think not you can get anything from a double-minded person because they're unstable in all their ways. Double-minded means two souls. When people hear a message about prospering, they, you know, especially if they're struggling with the spirit of poverty, they're like, well, are you one of those prosperity preachers? I'm not a poverty preacher. I can tell you that much. Now, do I believe you can sow $99 and get 9999 No. Not unless the Lord told you to do it. Told you, not me. <laughs> now, if the Lord told you to do it, I suggest you do it. Because it's tied. But if he ain't told you to do it, don't let nobody prophesy. I mean, I'm sorry. Prophesy. Are, are you with me? Because this is how Satan has gotten us to live, not only in the world, but then to accept the things of the world. And he, and he said, I only trust in you. My belief is only in you. Nowhere else does my direction come from. Nowhere else does my help come from. Nowhere else do I get my cues and my instructions. So then, if my faith is my servant, then money cannot be my master. You're not hearing me. If money becomes your master, then it will direct you as you direct your... And then people wonder why they got what they have. Look at Mark uh, 11. <clears throat> Verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but, for the time of figs was not yet. Verse 14, Jesus answered. Now, now listen, y'all. If y'all pulled up to the church and y'all saw me outside in front of a tree, You'd be like, <laughs> we knew something was wrong with Pastor. <laughs> we just didn't know something was wrong <laughs> with Pastor. He's having a conversation with a tree. And notice what the Bible says. He did what? He answered it. The tree says, the tree, listen, any... Uh, any fruit, vegetable, that has bright color to it is something that has to be exposed to 
the sun. I'm not going to get into photosynthesis with you. Hopefully all y'all took science class. <laughs> if you didn't, then you have to just look it up for yourself. But anything that has a bright color to it <coughs> has to be exposed to sun. So anything that's green or, or white or blue or, or dark colors like that is typically not exposed to the sun. So a fig tree will develop its leaves to cover the fig. So if you see it, full fig, full tree, usually there's figs underneath. That's what keeps the fig, it's, it's dark color. So for Jesus to see the tree, it's enticing. He goes the, the season of trees. You would know that Jesus would know that that tree is supposed to have figs on it. He goes to it and it doesn't and he curses that tree and the Bible says he answered it. He answered an inanimate object and told it something in response to what it told him. But so many of you don't see that when you open that envelope and they say, (laughs) you owe You go to freaking out. I got a, I got a thing in the mail. Uh, we, brought, we brought our car in Oklahoma, drove it back here. And so um, they processed all the stuff there and then sent it here. And so I get this notice. Everybody want their money. <laughs> Everybody want their money. So the city of Glendale sends me this notice saying the state was paid but we wasn't paid. <laughs> so I'm thinking, first of all, the devil is a lie. You ain't getting this out of me. And then I started thinking, okay, let me call this dude and find out what's going on. So I call, I talk to him. Lo and behold, he's right. They didn't get paid. So I gave it to my wife, said, cut him a check. I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to get all, I'm not going to go ham. It is what it is. But if I have a supply, I'm not going to pieces. That don't mean I ain't going to check the story. But once I'm clear on what's going on, it's a done deal. Because everything speaks whether you think it does or doesn't. If it didn't speak, why before you go grocery shopping do you get on your phone and check your balance? If it didn't speak to you. You're a baller shot caller. Wing it, baby. No, because you know the last thing you want to be doing is standing there So you want to save yourself, quote unquote, the embarrassment. But you do the exact same thing with your faith. So you approach it like, I'm going to save myself. (laughs) So I'm going to check with stuff first. (laughs) I'm going to check. I never asked her what's in the account. Right? I didn't pay it. 
I, I'm, not, I'm not going down this road of, well, do I have, let me see. If I go get Ari's piggy bank, she probably got about. <laughs> Let's go check the mattresses and, and the cushions. and the f- So you do the exact same thing where you check with, well, what did the doctor tell me? I don't care. The doctor operates in the natural. Doc, what do you want me to do in the natural? I'll do that. But don't tell me whether I'm going to live or die. Don't tell me whether I'm going to overcome or not overcome. Don't tell me anything other than what do you want me to do in the natural. I'll do that. But when it comes to whether I live and shall not die, the Word tells me that I can keep going. There's no expiration date on the bottom of my foot. So don't tell me what faith is supposed to speak to me. And don't sit there and let them talk to you without responding. Don't let the bill talk to you without responding. Don't let these things shape you. He's talking to a tree. It don't make sense. It makes faith. Now watch what he says. No man shall eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. He should have had a Snickers. <laughs> he is salty with that tree. I don't know about you, but you ever been hangry? <laughs> he swole with this tree. And he tells it, you look like what you should look like, but you ain't got no fruit. So guess what? Since you're playing with me, no man will ever eat from you again. They came to Jerusalem. Jesus went to the temple, began to cast them out. The sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables and money changers and the seats of them the sold doves. Go to verse 20, just for the sake of time. And in the morning, and in the morning, and in the morning, they passed by and they saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. Not three weeks from now. Not four years from now. He said it, went to sleep. Actually, let me back it up. He said it. Whoop some tail in the temple. Got tired because he was whooping tail and went to sleep. Woke up the next day. And that which he said had come to pass by the very next day. Quit thinking that it takes forever. Quit thinking that God is not listening. Quit believing what Satan tells you. Because he gives you evidence in the basis of time. What well, hasn't happened yet? Maybe it's not going to. Why well, haven't seen it? I've been believing. Are you sure? Because if you're believing, nothing changes. Because if I'm sovereign over it, it don't have to make sense to me. Because whatever doesn't make sense makes It is a very well-known fact. Please sit down. 
It is a very well-known fact that your brain requires an answer. I don't want to get into the psychology of this too deep, but I just want to take you deep enough for you to get my point. Your brain requires an answer. Requires. Anything that is open, your brain says, I have to give an answer to it. So, for example, you ever watch a movie, right? Opening scene, movie, you're watching. Some guy's like, hey, he's talking to somebody on a step. He's like, all right, well, I'll see you later. Steps out to go get in his car, and a truck comes by. Bam! You're like. They do that on purpose. If you've, it's, it's, it's called breaking the loop. It's, it's, they do all kinds of things in movies. The scene, first scene is some kind of crazy uh, scene or, or, or weird stuff happening. It, it breaks the loop in your brain, and now you've got to have an answer. So now I got you this entire hour and 45 minutes. Because you have got to get an answer. I have to know what happened to him. And then if you're watching a TV series, that's when they cut it and go, now they've broken this loop in you. That's, what, that's why they do it. Where Okay, so you're watching a TV show. You get to the end of it. They resolve the problem. And then right before it ends, they break it again. So then you're like, now, now we, got, you know, we got Netflix now, so you can just binge watch. But you understand, when you, were on, when you had a, how many of y'all remember regular TV and commercials and all that, right? Where it didn't come on until the next week. They got you. Now you're like, because you have to see what happened. Breaking the loop. Your brain requires an answer. Here's the problem. Whether the answer is true or not, if it sounds plausible to your monkey, it'll take it. Doesn't have to be the real answer. Just has to be good enough. You ever you ever have a friend or somebody, family member, that you kind of made up a whole story about in your head? About how they feel about you? And then you just happen to be sitting with them and they're like, man, I missed you so much and God, I'm so glad we got to spend this time. In the back of your head, you're thinking, you don't like me. <laughs> and they're like, man, I, I, and I love this about you. And I just, I really wish we'd spend more time together. And you're like, I've been ditching and dodging you for the last 25 years. See, your brain didn't have a real answer. <laughs> it just took one that worked. This is why you can't trust your soul. See, people say, oh, I need a soulmate. No, you need a spirit mate. Quit playing with your soul because your soul's a liar. Your mind, will, and emotions are jacked. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are not the place where decisions are made. Because if I'm sovereign over it, because <laughs> it doesn't have to make... Look at Isaiah 55, 11. <clears throat> Wow, you got that up pretty quick. Almost like y'all knew where I was going. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Now, this is what he says. It shall not return to me 
You know what void means? Empty-handed. It means empty-handed. It means vanity. <laughs> it means empty-handed. See, <laughs> you ever... <laughs> I don't know why y'all look like this. Empty-handed is somebody who comes to you and says, I just want to say happy birthday. I really value and appreciate you. And they give you a card and there's nothing in it. Listen, my mom taught me something at a very young age. You never give somebody a card with nothing in it. And you never give anybody a wallet or a purse with no money in it. Now, now, now listen, that's not a law. It's just honorable. It's just honorable. And people are like, well, you know, I don't have. Yeah, sure you do. Sure you do. Put a button in there. The, the principle is to not come empty-handed. <laughs> he said, when I send my word out. See, a lot of y'all have gotten to the place where you think it's the thought that counts. The thought's important. Don't get me wrong. The thought's important. But when Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees and Sadducees, they said, we can't give our parents money. Because we've devoted it to God. And Jesus said, you have rendered the word of God of no effect because of your tradition. In other words, you can't honor them without sowing into them. It ain't the thought. It's the thought that drove you to the action that now displays true. But you've gotten so convinced that it's the thought that every time your word comes back as a thought, you think it was fulfilled because you thought it. You have no expectation that he said, when my word goes out, it does not come back empty handed. You come back to me empty handed. I'm like, do the coat. Don't turn, turn. And go back out there. And don't come around here until you have come with what I asked for. Because I've already decreed the thing. It's in line with the word of God. And if it's in line with the word, don't come here empty-handed. Do not come back here without exactly what I asked you to bring. And I don't care if you thought about it. I don't care how you felt about it. Don't come around here empty-handed. Because he said it will... It doesn't come back unless it comes back with what I asked for. He said it'll accomplish the thing that I sent it to do. Because here's what the Bible tells us. God is no respecter of persons. Right? But he is a respecter of faith. He is a respecter of faith. Right? So then, because he says, without faith it's impossible. Please me. He said, they that believe that I am, or must believe that I am, and that I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. In other words, I ain't empty-handed. You don't serve an empty-handed God. So why would you accept empty-handed things? Why would you accept vanity? You know what vanity is? It just looks a certain way. But it ain't. 
It looks prosperous, but it's not. Look at uh, look at Second Kings chapter four. <clears throat> One of the things that faith does is it reveals lies. It reveals lies, and it becomes the master key. And the master key isn't when faith comes; it's when faith is released. A lot of people don't understand that. Just because faith has come doesn't mean that you've released it. Faith cometh by and hearing by the. Why do you go to church? To hear. To hear. So that you continually hear so that faith will. But if you stop there, this is why it's not working. Because once faith comes, Faith now has to be released. So, <clears throat> where did I tell you to go? 2 Kings, Kings 4, verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? <clears throat> Tell me. What hath thou in thy house? Oh, my goodness. He said, What do you want from me? You're telling me the story. That's wonderful. So what do you want? So many of y'all approach God by telling him what he already knows. God, you don't know my troubles. He's like, okay. You don't know what I'm going through. Okay. Tell me. What do you want? What can I do for you? Well, you ought to know what to do. I do know what to do. Do you know what to believe me for? Right, right, right. <clears throat> because if it was simply about what I want you to do, you wouldn't have done what got you in this situation in the first place. <laughs> I, got, I got one Holy Ghost clap and one Holy Ghost grunt. <laughs> so if it was strictly about what I wanted, you'd have never been here. So don't ask me what I think. You tell me what you want. What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? <clears throat> we came, uh, Al, and uh, where's Terrell? Is he in here somewhere? <laughs> One day I'm looking for me in here. We came here. Remember the first time we came to this building? And we came, and I was looking at the layout on my iPad, and I'm, I'm writing notes on it as we're walking through. And the realtor says, that's pretty cool. You can write on your iPad. I mean, this was before all this stuff was starting to come to, to abilities, right? 
And I said, yeah, I sure can. I got this pen. And I explained to him what the pen was and how it worked. And uh, he's telling us about it. He says, they require you to have, how many people? Three, 300 people. And we had 25, 30. And so he's telling us all the requirements, what we got to do, what we got to have. And so he's ogling and fawning over this pen. So I finally went like this. Here, you can have it. And he said, for real? I said, yeah, here. So I gave it to him. <coughs> Couldn't have cost, it maybe a $100 pen at the time. And uh, he's like, thank you. What hast thou in the house? <coughs> and she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house except a pot of oil. Yo, you are broke when all you have is some Crisco. When you walk in your house and all you got is some Crisco, you are officially She says, I ain't got nothing else. And then he says, go borrow the vessels abroad and of all thy neighbors. How many? Even empty vessels, borrow not a few. In other words, in other words, in other words, don't come to my house and say, can I borrow some sugar? And I say, sure. I say, what do you need? I need a cup. Good. Here's a spoon. How many trips are you making? Then he said, oh, good. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and shall pour out into all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. Go in your house, shut your door, borrow as many vessels as you can, and take your pot and fill the rest of these up. And every time one is full, set it to the side. Put the other one in, fill it up. When it's full, set it to the side. When you come back, put the other one in, fill it up, set it to the side. So she went from him shut the door upon her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. Notice what she didn't do. That don't make sense, Pastor. You want me to do what? I already told you that all I got. And notice she didn't walk out and go kick a can down the street. Should have never went to that church. He over here talking crazy. None of he, nothing he said make any sense. Don't need to make sense. Come on. That'll preach. It actually is, ain't it? And it came to pass when the vessels were full. How many did she have initially? When the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, 
Now, she didn't got good with this. She liked this. Bring me another one. They're like, um, Mama, um, see what had happened was. That's all we got. And the oil did what? What stopped it? The amount of faith her sons had. That's why you shouldn't be around people that don't have. She was looking for more. She was like, give me another one. You're like, Mama, you didn't really say how many. <laughs> I told you, get as many as you can. See, and you keep playing with folks that keep limiting your faith. And the moment it stopped, the oil stayed. The oil didn't stop. <clears throat> the oil didn't stop because God said, that's enough. God didn't say, you're so greedy. I mean, don't you know there's other people in the world that need oil? I mean, Jimmy down the street about to fry some chicken. We need to save some oil for him. Why are you so greedy? Golly. I mean, you just don't, didn't you just, you just, all you said you wanted to do is get your husband debts paid with your greedy, wanting to fill up every pot around you. See, because if he'd have said it to me, I'd have been out there like with a semi, back that beep, beep, beep. Because if you're telling me to grab all I can, I can can a lot, trust me. And it all stopped the moment their faith ran out. <laughs> See, what you don't understand is the oil came out of the thing that she had. <laughs> That's why he asked her, what do you have? I might not be, I am, but I might not be the best looking dude in town, but I am. <laughs> but even if I wasn't, what do you have? I might not be the richest person in town, even though I am. <laughs> but even if I wasn't, what do you have? I might not be the smartest. I might not be this. I might be a different color. I might be a, a different persuasion. I might be a different gender. I might be... Doesn't matter. What do you have? Quit worrying about because Satan wants you to base it on what you don't have. Satan wants you to think, well, I came from this side of the tracks. I didn't go to the best schools. I didn't do this. That's Satan's discussion with you to bring you back down into the realm that he can operate in. But when God steps in and says, 
This is who you are in me. Don't tell me what you don't have. Tell me what you do have. Because whatever you got, I will bring your increase through that. I will put my blessing on that. I will make you what you need to become. When you stop talking about what you don't have and start telling me what do you have. Look around in your own house. What do you have? So I sewed the pen, didn't I? I sewed it. He called me and he said, "Uh, Pastor Gene, we had somebody, they're going to pay a whole year in advance. I said, good for them. I ain't doing that. I ain't got it. (laughs) He said, well, let let me get back to you. Do me a favor. Look around. (laughs) Where are you sitting? Listen, your faith, it ain't got to make sense. That's what qualifies it as faith. Praise the Lord. So so watch this. Look. Faith reveals the lies. See, when man thinks a certain way, faith reveals those lies. It just absolutely reveals it. Because faith goes against what people think. Faith goes against what it is you will. That's why he says, my son, attend to my words and incline thy ear unto my sayings. You know what incline means? To focus. You can't walk by faith and lose your focus. When Peter stepped out of the boat, he had enough faith to step out. But he lost his focus. The moment he took his eyes off of Jesus, his focus got fractured. The moment his focus got fractured, he's a horse midstream. See, some of you, you, you've gotten out by faith. You have gotten out by faith. You started out real good. You was calling out fire, and, and you was, in the name of Jesus, huh? You don't know who I be, God. I'm going to show the devil huh, what I can do, huh? And somewhere along the line, the bill hit. Somewhere along the line, you talked to your mom and them. You think you're going to do what? Child, you better quit playing. Get you one of them good government jobs. You looking for more oils and barrels, and you looking at the wrong people because they also know either. Then you you come to church, and your pastor's like, "You need some more jars? I got plenty. Come on, come on. Here's some more. Here's some more. You need more than that? All right, hold on." Because if it's limited by your faith, then we got to start believing a little higher and start expecting a little more and starting to realize that I am not in a timetable. It don't matter the time. It don't matter the moment. All I know is I am believing God, and I refuse to change my confession midstream. 
I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it smells like. I don't care about none of my sensuality. All I know is God made me a promise, and that promise will have to come to pass. You cannot afford to lose your focus in midstream. This is why Luke 9.62 says that Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. You know what that word looking is? It means to gaze. It means to direct your mind with longing. No man that puts his hand to the plow and then redirects his gaze another way is fit for the kingdom. You have got to set your face like flint. You have got, you know, flint, flint's the hardest stone. You can sharpen steel with flint. You got to set your face like flint. You got to determine in your heart. You got to settle it once and for all. Am I going to believe him? Am I going to trust him? And I'm not changing. I'm not backing up. I'm not getting off this horse. I'm not switching to nothing else. I am staying with what God has called me to do. I'm staying with the things he revealed. If he told me I can have a house, I'm going to get it. If he told me that I can build a business, I'm going to build it. If he told me that I, whatever he told you, I can't tell you what he told you, but I can tell you you can't switch horses midstream. I can tell you you can't give up on what he's promised you. I can tell you you better stop letting the things go that you used to believe for. You used to be standing strong. You used to confess it. You used to believe it. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's my lot in life. Who told you that? I don't care how old I get. I don't care how young I am. I don't care how much money I have. I must care how much money I don't have. It doesn't matter. Because all of that is sensual. My trust is in the word and the word alone. I don't work. I don't believe. And I don't walk by sight. I work. I believe, and I walk by faith. And that's it, faith alone. God is sovereign. His faith stands sovereign over circumstance. This is why he said, you can't direct your mind. So the answer for me, Lord, the eyes of my understanding need to be enlightened. Because I'm not going to walk by sight. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. I don't need to see that. I need to see what you have for me. The eyes that I need to see with is the eyes of my understanding. And when you revealed it and said I could have it, then I want it. If you promised it to me in my word, I want it. If you said I could have it, I'm going to go get it. That's why the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent will take it by force. I am not going to be overtaken. I didn't come here. He did not put us in this world to be overtaken. He put us here to be overcomers, to take back what belongs to him. Look, look, at, look, at, look at the last place I want you to go. Luke 22. Luke 22, verse 31. 
22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may do what with you? You know, sifting of wheat is not, uh, see, we we become such a, a lazy society, if you will, that when you think of sifting as wheat, you think of pulling out of your cupboard one of those sieves and then taking the flour that's in a bag and scooping it in and sifting it. Right? That ain't what he's talking about. When you sift wheat, <coughs> you have to first beat the wheat against something very sharp, very hard. It was a huge board with a bunch of spikes on it. And you would beat the wheat to separate it. And then as you ground it, the skin would kind of pop off and you would toss it up in the air and the wind would blow the chaff away. So he's telling him Satan desires to beat you, to crush you, and then throw you up in the air and get rid of the junk that's on the outside of you. Then it gets ground and put into a bag and then you put it in your your cupboard. Are you with me? So he's saying, this is what Satan wants to do to you. That ain't no good conversation. <clears throat> That's like you ending up in prison. And somebody said, this is your cellmate, Bubba. <laughs> and Bubba desires to sift you like wheat. <laughs> You're going to be like, Bubba going to have to catch me like he can, like the gingerbread man. Because guess what? Not today, Satan. <laughs> so for him to say, this is what he's coming to do. I know something wrong with me. I, I, <laughs> I accept that. <laughs> Y'all listening to me, so what does it say about you? <laughs> so <laughs> we, we could just be all touched together. How about that? So <clears throat> he says he desires to sift you like wheat. And he says he wants to have you, he's, and he wants to sift you, right? Verse 32, but I prayed for you. (laughs) Isn't isn't that like that Christianese thing? Oh, brother, I know you're going through a hard time. I'm praying for you. Nah, B, I need $20. (laughs) Quit praying for me. Just give me the $20 because I I need some help. (laughs) Jesus pulled, I'm I'm, I'm praying for you. (laughs) Hope you make it. Notice what it says, that thy, what was Satan after? See, you think Satan's after your money. You think he's after your kids. You think he's after your stuff. You think he's after your homes. You think he's after your job. You think he's after your money. He's not after any of that. He's after your money is not above him. Your stuff is not above him. (laughs) Matter of fact, if you're going to get it, it most likely is going to come from him. He wants to decimate your so that when it didn't come, you'll stop believing God for anything. Because you'll think back 
Remember that one time I was thinking about this and I believe in God for my healing and it didn't show up. And now something bigger comes and you're like, well, if he didn't heal me from this, he ain't going to heal me from that. If he didn't bless me with this, he's not going to bless me with that. And now you have an experience through your sensual faith because it was what you could touch. Whereas for me in my house, blessed are the ones who have not seen, yet I will still believe. Because I don't want to touch it, I want to have it. And I know that if he said it's mine, that I'm not looking at what is natural. I am not looking at what happens in the world. I could care less what goes on out there. Because if God said it, then I have to believe it. And if I believe it, that settles it. And I am not going to put my hand to the plow and then turn around and look back and be gazing at other stuff. Look, look, at, look at what the, the and this is literally the end. Hesiod, the um, Greek philosopher and poet, wrote this. I want you to really pay attention to what I'm saying. He who would plow straight must not look around him. One who will attend his work and drive a straight furrow and is past the age for gazing after his fellows, but will keep his mind on his work. No younger man will be better than he at scattering the seed and avoiding double sowing for a man less stayed gets disturbed, hankering after his fellow. He said there will be nobody better at planting seed than a person who's focused. He said, and you won't have to double sow it. You won't have to plant it all over again. Some of you, you've planted stuff by faith. You believe God for it. Now you're back to replanting it all over again because you switched horses in midstream. You left your harvest. You left your crop because you didn't stay focused and stayed on the things that were important. You didn't stay focused on making sure it cannot come back empty-handed. You come back with nothing in your hand, go on back and get it. And don't come here without something in your hand. This is the place that so many people live. And they don't realize, now you've got to sow it again. Now you've got to start believing God all over again. Dear God, I'm believing God for so much that I cannot start over. I don't have it in me, y'all. I don't think I could go back to the beginning and start all over again. And that's why people give up. You got to stay with it. It might not seem like it. You got to stay with it. It might not even look like it. You got to stay with it. It might not make sense. But guess what? It makes faith. Because the very nature of faith is to believe for something that, not, uh, that cannot be done by natural circumstances. That cannot be done by natural means. Faith is beyond you. Faith is outside of your purview. Faith is outside of your realm. Faith is outside of your understanding. Faith is above. It is sovereign over. And it depends on one thing. God and his word. That's it. That's it. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else. 
it may not be coming out right. People are like, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Shut up. Are you sure you get shut up? Do me a favor. Don't talk to me, criminal. Why I got to be a criminal? Because you're trying to steal my future. And I'm shutting it down before you commit grand larceny. Don't come at me with what I can't do. You don't know. Because if you were God, I'd worship you, but you're not. So sit back, buckle up, buttercup, and enjoy the ride. And watch me as the Lord sets the table before me in your presence. Because he said it, he promised it, I can have it, and I'm not moved by the circumstances and the temporal nature of what you see. My sensuality has nothing to do with my faith. My senses don't need to be stimulated in order for me to have faith. What does the word say? If the word says it, I believe it. I'm amazed at how many people will challenge me with stuff. Well, I just believe this. Okay, you got any word for that? I'll say CBV. You know what CBV means? Chapter, book, and verse. <clears throat> well, I just think that. Oh, well, I think a lot of things. That doesn't tell me the Bible says it. Show me chapter, book, and verse. Well, I, I don't know where it is. Then shut up. You support certain things that happen in the world? Tell me how you support it and why. Tell me chapter, book, and verse, how you support these decisions. Well, I just feel like if God was here today, it'd be a little different. I mean, if, if things were the way, listen, people in the city of Corinth, when, you know, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, you know, chapters. Did you know people in the city of Corinth were having sex in the middle of the streets? Men with men, women with women, all kinds of stupid stuff. And you act like God don't know what we're in right now. And he still wrote. Just because you would like to believe it doesn't mean it's the word. And that's the problem why your faith fails because you're not in the word. You're in what the world is telling you. So you can only get what the world wants to give you. But if you learn to understand, he said, I overcame the world. I'm not of the world. I overcame the world. Little children, you're just in it. But you have my word, and my word is sovereign over this world. And if you want things to change, you're going to have to change it. If you don't like your circumstances, you're going to have to change it. You're going to have to speak to those trees. You're going to have to speak to those mountains. You're going to have to say the right things and start talking to these things. Stop listening to them and start talking to them and tell them, you're not going to have my children. You're not going to have my house. You're not going to have my bank accounts. You're not going to have my finances. You are not going to affect your will when I'm a citizen of a different kingdom. All these other folks out here that you got control over, you can run them. But as for... Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We're so grateful for all that you're doing in our midst. We're grateful that it don't need to make sense. But that our faith has to be acted on, has to be released. There are always things you'll tell us to do. There are things you'll tell us to sow. There are things you'll tell us to, to, to confess or speak that requires us to do so because what we're believing you for is tied to it. <clears throat> we know that faith comes by hearing, but faith does not get released by hearing. Faith gets released by doing 
and by speaking. So we thank you that we're going to walk by faith and not by our natural sight. We're going to believe you for the things you've promised us. We're going to dare to get back on the saddle and say, you know what, I dropped this a while ago, but I'm going after it. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Glory. You're still the money man. Glory. I don't know why you interrupted our service to tell me that, but I'm telling you because I'm obedient. Quit backing up. Quit taking your eyes off of it. Hallelujah. Blessed be God forevermore. Quit taking your eyes off the things that God has promised you. Quit. Listen. <coughs> Winners never quit and quitters never win. There is only one way you can guarantee that you will not win. You know what it is? You quit. I got plenty of respect for people who will fight. I got no respect for somebody who will quit. Because winners, that's not, the, the, quitting just ain't in a winner. That's one of those things she'll tell you. I despise that. If we're going to win, we're going to win. I need fighters, baby. I need people to be like, you know what? <laughs> Give me a minute while I patch this up. I just need a second. Because I'm coming back to fight some more. Not somebody that gets hit and just says, you know, maybe this ain't for me. You're right, it ain't for you. And that's why your faith won't work. Because nobody told you when there wouldn't be resistance. <sighs> Hallelujah. So, Father, I, I, I just give it all to you. I trust you. We believe you. We know that it is by faith that we please you. And so we thank you that we take our eyes off the things that are temporal. We think we take our eyes off the things we can see and we trust in the invisible one. And it's that simple that we overcome by believing Jesus is in fact Lord. That he is in fact God in the flesh. And we thank you for the victory. Give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I'll turn it over to, uh, would you receive the offering please, sir? I appreciate it. Thank you.